Every episode of The Angry Chicken is made possible by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash tack. For more of Jocelyn's content, check out jossplays.com. And if you can't get enough of Ridiculous Hat, follow him over on Twitter at Ridiculous Hat. The Angry Chicken is a production of A-Move TV. Time's up. Let's do this. You smell like a leper gnome! I knew it! So hot! A podcast about Hearthstone and Battlegrounds. This is The Angry Chicken! Hello and welcome to episode 495 of The Angry Chicken. It is January 18th. And I am your host and anchor for a little while, Ridiculous Hat. You won't hear Joss this week, as many of you may have seen on social media, and many of you may have not, so I'm going to tell you right now. Joss will be off for a few weeks. Uh, This is, she's doing her last embryo transfer. She has given it her full energy, full focus, Joss. We wish you the best of luck. We will miss you. And in the meantime, I'm holding down the fort here, but it's not just me. We have some wonderful guests lined up. And our first wonderful guest we are joined by is Mr. Pocky Plays. Pocky, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I was so I was so excited. I, 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 we were just talking about it, but um, I, yeah, I, I just love talking. I mean, especially with people in the community. I mean, the Hearthstone community is so good. Obviously, you're insanely active. You know, everyone knows Angry Chicken. So this is super, super cool. Really glad to have you on. <laughs> Thank you for being here, and you are our Battlegrounds expert, which is important because we just got a huge Battlegrounds patch. So, huge. we're going to talk, talk about that, but first we want to give our thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash TAC. We are supported directly by our epic patrons. You can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash TAC. gives you access to the TAC Discord server, and thank you so much, patrons, for your continued support. We really appreciate you. All right, Pocky, we got to get to know you before we start to get to know this patch. So... <laughs> Tell us the role, the, the, the vibe that you channel in the BG scene. Who is Pocky in a nutshell? That, that's a good question. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of different roles that I kind of bridge. I, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm a bridge. Um, I, I play at a pretty high level. My peak is rank 11. Um, I didn't push for rank 10. I know that sounds crazy. I just... I got there and I was happy and I was playing two servers at that point. Um, you know, so I've been front page on NA and EU at the same time. So I've I've done the high level stuff. Um, but of course, I like streaming. I like doing the fun stuff more than anything else. I'm like I don't have as much of the the grind set mindset, but uh if it comes to like hey Let's for, you know, I, I'm a big fan of like Cadgar, RIP to, to our friend Cadgar in Battlegrounds. Maybe a spoiler on the changes there, but, uh, you know, miss that guy. Uh, but like APM pirates, all that sort of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, and, and then like knowledge and, and networking. I mean, I've been around now enough that I think most of the people in the, the high level Battlegrounds scene sort of know me. And people often come into my stream, they're like, oh, my God. All the 
all the high level players are hanging out here. And it's like I'm like, yeah, it's like uh, you know, industry hours. So, so, you know, all the all the where all the bartenders go after after bar close, you know? That's my stream, you know. They, we, it's not huge, so, but you know, we have we have good vibes and I, I like to foster that, just have everybody hanging out and stuff. So it's so I wanna make sure I clarify something I heard. I don't have that grind set. I got 11th place while I was playing two servers at the same time. <laughs> That's, you get a little grind set. It sounds, it sounds impressive, but when I play, like, I was sure you, you, like, sometimes you watch another player and you're like, wow, I'm not on their level. The gap between me and those, like, really, really, really top players is huge like I, I i can look at it and be like i have no problem being like i'm never gonna be on that level right i can try and you know understand it but it, it, when it comes down to plague and in the action you know xqn beater g some of these players that you just always see up at the top no nah, i'm there's a gulf there's a gulf between me and them regardless of where i am on the the leaderboards so you know i it's okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, you're you're doing just fine. And still, we're talking about margins at the very, very high end of the game. And like you said, and like we talked a little bit about pre-show, where you've positioned yourself instead is the information person. That you have these Absolutely. really, really long uh, patch review threads. And just in whenever anything's going on, BGs, I'm like, I better check out Pocket. I better see what's going on. And you have the info on the bugs. You have the info on new interactions. Just the the rule book kind of guy, and the the known issues post poster for this uh, for this universe. So, what prompted you to become this hub of information? And congratulations, by the way, in your recent follower milestone. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, hit two thousand followers on Twitter. Work it up towards you. You know, it's a it's a that maybe is the actual grind, but uh, mm, takes a while. I. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I just, I've always had a, a passion, so I, I've always liked strategy games, and I, I sucked at them. Like, I, I was good at the strategy part, but the mechanics and stuff, like StarCraft, man, couldn't get there. Dota, couldn't get there. Like, strategy, perfect. I can draft great teams, all this stuff. I can see patch reviews. I can see, like, hey, this is going to be strong. Like, they made this nerf, this buff. Like, how is that going to play out? That was always like something I was really interested in. Then I came around to Battlegrounds. I'm like, this is all the strategy and the background of card games. Uh, you know, I played Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. It, it was a really great balance where I could contribute that knowledge, that strategy mindset to something that didn't care about mechanics. And then once the, no one, no one really took over those like in-depth patch reviews, right? Like people go over and say, oh, this is the change. This is a change. But like, how's that going to play out in the meta? You know, what are these weird interactions that maybe we don't see if you just go through it over 15 minutes, right? Like you only catch on if you're like thinking about it for two hours and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, wait a second. This is this is like meta breaking, you know, that sort of stuff is is what interested me. And so I, I you know, just being the person there, you know, people brought me information. Say, hey, I'm going to go go break in Pocky's patch review and you know, drop this knowledge bomb and I get to reap the rewards of, you know, everyone else bringing me that information. So I guess that's I shared, how I ended up there. 
I shared your most recent uh, Pocky's patch notes in the show notes. If anyone wants to check it out, it is extensive. It is exhaustive. Has been very helpful to me so far in just learning the uh, the the new meta. And we're going to do a lot of BG's strategy today, listeners. So if you're into that, you're in the right place. Um, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. on If you had to pick, if you look over the past year, January, we get to do a year in review sort of thing for BG's. I want to see if you can point to any one thing that really stood out to you in a positive way, the thing you enjoyed the most, and maybe one thing that you think there's some major opportunity to work on, something that caused you any concern or, or desire for change. Mm, that is a great question. I really, really, really enjoyed quests. I did. I I think I get excited. Like, I'm not the player that's super concerned about balance, per se. Right? Like, if something comes in out of whack, that's okay. But, like, the mechanics of how things work, super interesting. So we had uh, prizes, the Dark Moon Fair prizes. We had buddies. Those were a big thing. That was actually, that was within the last year, I think, right? Exactly the, one year the, ago. It was last January. Right. So that that was within the year. And then quests were our sort of third, like, event mechanic. And I thought they were by far the best they sort of equalized hero balance and allowed you more choice within the game right there's a a bigger decision tree when at a certain point you choose your quest and it can impact what direction you want to take your game and that was super cool to me um hero balance just as a byproduct more than anything else got really good and so I thought that was fantastic. That was probably my favorite thing happened in a long time. Um, and conversely, I am very worried about hero balance because right now we don't have quests to sort of even it out. Um, obviously, you know, getting into the more dramatic end, now we have sort of a, a mandatory pay for perks aspect in Battlegrounds, which I'm not the person that's like super against it, but you know, the more there is an incentive to get good heroes, the more that does sort of impact the community um, in in having those perks available because X hero is, you know, tiers above everything else. And so making sure that we continue to balance heroes, which is very challenging. uh, We have, I don't know, probably closing in on 90 some heroes or something like there's a lot and that's, that's just difficult and especially like across MMRs and all that sort of thing. So I tried to count them all and I got dizzy. Like there's a lot of heroes. I probably couldn't even name them all anymore. Like I had missed some just like, Oh yeah, I forgot that was a hero Um, for sure. I mean, professor future sides, the new one, that was one that was gone for a long time. Now just finally making its return after a couple of years on the bench. Yeah, I mean, I basically consider this a new hero because it's the new art. It's Potion Master Putricide instead of the original one, which was right. plus 10 attack to the left minion and then plus 20. And it, it and it was the second time it came back, it was by accident and they hot fixed it out. It's such a <laughs> weird experience. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the hero balance, we remember it was kind of memed on where they said the same article that they released the post about runestones and, and the mandatory perks. They said, we're committed to hero balance. Lots of memes there. Were you not committed before? 
you know, that sort of thing. But then, like you said, quests, inherently speaking, along with the armor system, there were so many invisible factors moving that the range of performance was really compressed. And you had some players, I think, Artie, you pretty notably said, the bad heroes are the good ones because you have the more armor and your quests are done faster. So it became this really interesting dynamic thing. And now it seems like, well, we're really going to test paid hero selection and no balancing mechanism. We're going to pull the safety net and see what happens. Stats are way too yeah. early, so it's hard to say, other than the heroes that were hot fixed out for bugs, uh, exactly what's going to dominate. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure you have some theories. Yeah, for sure. Some of, some of them being uh, some of those hot fixed heroes, obviously, uh, if you guys missed it, Tess, it was Tess Scabs, Hamson, and Illidan, along with Murzon, they got hot fixed out. So if you're looking yeah. for those heroes, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about those. Don't you worry. I have that in my known <laughs> issues list. Some of the strangest bugs I've seen so far. Very entertaining, if I'm being honest. Um, but speaking <laughs> of speaking of very entertaining, you got to cast Lobby Legends. What was that like for you? I mean, it's it seems like it's right up your alley of the thing you want to do and the guy you want to be. Oh, it absolutely was. Speaking about a year interview, it was last year. This was our first year of Lobby Legends. And right. I remember saying... You know, like I said, I'm not I'm not the player that wants to, you know, spend hours and hours playing the game just to eke out a few extra MMR, try and qualify for like that is not me. But I absolutely love high level gameplay. So being able to cast it, that was perfect. And so I said last year before it came out, my goal was to cast Lobby Legends and I had the opportunity to cast the last one of the year. It was a huge blast. I I, I just want to do it again. I I, I want to cast every Lobby Legends. Um, so hopefully I'll get that opportunity. I'm looking forward to the esports announcement like everyone else very eagerly. Um, but yeah, I, I, absolutely. It was, it was just one of the coolest opportunities I had all of last year. All of my Hearthstone career, really. So really excited about that. Being on the main broadcast seems... Well, I mean, I don't know the feeling, but it seems pretty rad to, like, be on TV sort of thing. Um, and especially just to help break down exactly what's going on in these high-level games and make it more accessible, it's a challenging thing to do. So I hope to see you back there, too, when we get this esports announcement whenever that comes through. It's It should be this week. Abar said two weeks, two weeks ago. So it should be this week, but we'll see. Um, well... I think we've gotten to know you a little bit here, but for those that want to get to know Pocky better, twitch.tv slash Pocky plays, go check it out. Go drop a follow. If you've got a Twitch prime, you can drop that there. He'll take it off your hands while you're, while you're around. <laughs> um, and then we're going to talk about some news. BG's heavy, but there's some other stuff going on. Good news, everyone. <laughs> so the 25.2 patch is out. And uh, there's, well, there's a lot of BG stuff. We talked about the units pretty extensively last week, so we'll go into strategy later on. But for now, we just want to go over some things that we maybe didn't know about. Like, for example, the damage cap. The damage cap, I think they made a really nice update here. Instead of it just being a hero has died, it's now a hero has died and the game has reached the 10 gold turn. So someone disconnects early on, you can't just get whomped by someone that high rolls a 6. Like a Eternal Summoner or something like that. Yeah, it's a really good change for the game. I mean, it, it, you don't want games dictated by, oh, someone disconnected. You know, like, a totally different game. It doesn't make any sense, like, 
it's a simple change, but I'm really glad they did it. And I have noticed uh, once or twice that it, it has mattered in my games already. So, you know, cool, cool change. Very happy about it. Just seems like a nice little quality of life thing. Um, and we've got some other things. The armor is now overlaid on top of the life bars on the side. It's kind of a nice thing. Not a huge deal, but hey, it's better than before it's, where we didn't have it. It's, it's so nice to be able to see. i not a huge fan of the design UI of it. it I don't know. It just looks kind of ugly, but huge fan of being able to see, you know, like, hey, they have more than the 40s. So really good change overall. Yeah, it looks like a silver Sharpie. And I'm sure they'll clean it up, <laughs> but it definitely looks like someone just yeah. took a sharpie and like, yeah, and just colored it in. But hey, listen, <laughs> we got it at a glance. Works. Um, there is a new event, the Lunar New Year. It is BG's focus, so make sure you click into that. Collect your skins. Lots of cool skins. There is a lot of skin stuff, like uh, cosmetics going on. There's there's a new BG skin. It's only 200 runestones in the shop. It's the uh, the it's a Lich King skin. Looks pretty cool. Uh, there's drops. There are drops on Hearthstone channels. So go watch those over the course of the next week or two and get your Lightkeeper's Irella skin. Really rad. Free. As long as you just have a window open, you watch Hearthstone for the next, like, week and a half or so. Uh, and there are some standard skins in the shop. Well, in High Mountain, Spirit Brucon, and Omen, who's like a Cerberus, like a Hellhound, but for Demon Hunter, he looks pretty cool. So check those out. There is also another skin coming to the game. Inside Heroic Brawl, there's a little bit of controversy around this this one. The skin inside Heroic Brawl, the first time Heroic Tavern Brawl has offered a reward beyond just the gold and the dust. For those that don't know, Heroic Tavern Brawl is a thousand gold to enter. And you can, it's, when you get three losses, you're out. Up to 12 wins, big rewards of 12 wins. But this is not match made based on anything other than win count. So it is very sharky. Extremely sharky. These there, there are sharks in these waters. It's very dangerous. So do not go in unless you're prepared to lose the money you spend. This time, if you win three games, you get Ghoul Queen Scarlet, the first Death Knight skin and the first woman that's a Death Knight. And it looks pretty cool. There's also a legendary... There's also a legendary quest for players to win one game of any type in order to get a standard pack, so you don't have to worry about missing out on your pack. You skip the brawl. However, oh, and there's actually an update that I didn't see before. The Ghoul Queen Scarlet Skin legendary quest will require three wins in this heroic tavern brawl across all runs, not necessarily in the same one. So I actually didn't see that either. I think that's kind of new. a big difference, right? It is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's still... I mean, it, it's still gated, and you still do have to win. It'd be a little spendy, but... It's better than I thought it was going to be, but there's still some concern. Uh, this is a very difficult event, and many players who are compelled by the idea of I'm going to pay 1,000 gold and get this cosmetic, if they've never done it before, maybe in for a rude awakening with the quality of opponent that you run into, and it's you know yeah. that's basically $10 each entry. So... I'm a little concerned about the idea that the awesome cosmetic that a lot of players will want is being dangled and it might be harder to get to and might be acquired in a way that requires players spending a bunch of gold right before the mini set. Yeah. But at least the the initial feedback when it was you have to get three wins in the same run 
that was more concerning to me. This, like, I don't love it, but it's a it's a better compromise than what I was anticipating here. Still somewhat controversial, and, you know, there have been suggestions about make this play three games instead, uh, and also there have been requests to put the reward structure in the client. I think that's a reasonable request. I'm not sure if it's technically possible, but I think it's a reasonable request to have the reward structure in the client. Yeah, it... it- there is, in my opinion. I mean, the the monetization of Hearthstone's always been a really challenging topic overall, and yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's a weird one because the heroic brawls just historically of you know it's such a like you said it's sharky, right? I mean, if you can do it, if you know you know how you stack up, it's a great event. But then everyone else is kind of fodder at that point, so you don't want to encourage too many people to just throw away gold, like you said. It's not a, a not you know, it's a tangible amount, especially with the mini set coming up. Those you know, generally what two thousand gold, right? So yep. that's you know a chunk. It feels a little weird. I do like the idea that there is a way to reward performing well with an exclusive cosmetic that you get to show off and if this wasn't the first woman death knight skin then it would probably be a lot less contentious but it is and a lot of people are going to enter because they want it something that we should at least talk about yeah for sure and i there's a big thing i mean it it's not talked i mean it is talked about actually a lot um, but you know, one thing that I, as a, you know, as a content creator that I've really worked towards is bringing more women into the game and having representation goes a long way to that. One of the things I complained about, we still don't have like a normal woman battlegrounds bartender for like, you know, years. And so is also super vocal about it. Um, one of the, my favorite cards in standard was barista lynchin and I'm like, is that not a battlegrounds bartender you know kind of free right like she she she's a bar easter (laughs) it's already there so you just ask like what is the problem put her in the game right yeah yeah i i really don't know but it, it is a big thing for you know if a player i mean definitely it's brand new if you have these people that want to feel represented playing the new, you know, class and you're, you're gating that behind something that could, you know, it's not even just a matter of money, right? It's, you have to work for it. And like you said, it's a little bit different now that we know that it's three overall wins, which is, you know, I think it's pretty achievable if you, if you sort of work towards it, but Gating, gating representation there feels, you know, like there could have maybe been a better, better approach on it on this one, or or maybe you know just a different skin that, like you said, that that you're, you know, gating that maybe is more, you know, highlighting the achievement, right? Yeah, it's uh, either way, I'm glad that they added this correction. Um, and hopefully people don't have to spend too much gold to get it, but at least it is more within reach. Uh, we don't have standard changes in this patch, though I will note about 10 minutes before the show, we did get a tweet from Aleko 
uh, who shared. I'll read this out for you. Hey, everyone, I know a lot of you have been asking about standard balance changes. We're putting together a pretty big patch for about a week from now. In all honesty, I wish we could have shipped this patch a little sooner. The holiday break pushed our patch, patch schedule, but the meta doesn't take a holiday, so I empathize with players who feel like this patch is coming late. No, I can't promise anything right now. We're chatting as a team about if we can adjust our patch cadence next holiday break. Hope you all enjoy the upcoming patch. So, should be next week. That's the plan. Uh, it'll be nice to see about when we expect it, because typically speaking, correct me if I'm wrong, about a little over a week after each major BG's patch, about nine days, the following Thursday is when we usually get the update. It can shift by a day here, a day there, based on American holidays, but it's usually Tuesday BG's patch, play a full weekend, get adjustments the following Thursday. We've seen that many times, and that seems to be the schedule that we're on here. So, we'll see what happens. We do have some known issues with some weird stuff. So, like we mentioned in the pre-show, uh, there are a few heroes that have been disabled. Scabs, Tess, Tamsin, Illidan, and Murazon. There was maybe the oddest bug I have ever seen when you would Murazon, Scabs, or Tess a putricide minion, you would become Lord Nefarian. Because why not? I mean, you know. There are a bunch of reasons. Of removed heroes and stuff, yeah. <laughs> like, you would become... Lord Victor Nefarian from the single player content, it would pop up in a very strange discover. You would gain 30 armor and like, I don't know what exactly happened. It was goofy. So they turned that stuff off. They also disabled <laughs> Illidan and Tamsin because the uh, Sin Runner Blanche, I believe, the, the undead beast, the, the tier 544 with Reborn, and it came back with full buffs and stats. What would happen with Illidan and with Tamsin, you could kill the base copy of Blanche before combat. It would come back without Reborn, be granted Reborn by a Soul Splitter at the start of combat, and then it would have Reborn as a buff. So when it came back, it would bring back the buff of having Reborn. So it would Reborn and Reborn and Reborn and Reborn and literally infinite. They took that out. Can't do that. Hmm. Hmm. Infinite, infer in infinite interactions, huh? Something we love in Hearthstone. <laughs> a little dangerous. So they turned it off. Um, it is unclear if that was related to the purported desyncs. Uh, but either way, that was hotfixed out immediately. I'm sure we'll see them back in the near future. There are also a couple undocumented updates to constructed cards. Magister's Apprentice, which was the 3-2 mage common that reduced the cost of all your arcane spells by one, turned into a 2-3. Why? We don't know. Blizzard does not seem to know either. Nick tweeted about it and said it's one of the sillier bugs we've seen, and they're working on it. Also, Sun Fury Clergy. I'm going to say what that card is because you might not know. It's a 3-mana 2-4 that restores 3 health to all of your stuff and mana throws six, 6 health. It has Rush now. Why? We don't know. But it does. So, okay. It... it this is all the information we have. It's kind of funny and strange that a BG's patch would just randomly change some standard cards. But here we are. So I'm sure this will be fixed in the nearest future. And also, neither of these are particularly it's, it's impactful. It's so funny on how this stuff happens. Software is hard. It's just... It's hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Listen, sometimes you flip some stats. Sometimes you turn into fairy. And we don't know what's going on around here. It's fine. It's fine. So 
Um, few other brief notes. The BGs event happened last week. The uh, the streamer invite thing. Um, the structure was very ambitious with the teams and the trading and all that stuff. It was hard to keep track of the structure, but I will say the gameplay itself was fun and getting all these people in, in you know, streaming, theory crafting, whatever you want to call it, was fun. I don't anticipate that structure coming back, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was it was a ambitious is a effort. great way to put it. Yeah, a valiant effort. It's easy for it to sound super sarcastic or, you know, snide, but I do appreciate, you know, ambitious format attempts at, you know, tournaments in general. You know, it, yeah, it doesn't always work. Sometimes standard is good, but it was interesting. Um, I, I'm with you. That was, it was hard to follow. Usually I'm like, again, like I'm a huge nerd about like, how does the formatting work? How does this impact? Like how I looked at that. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm just going to follow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I can't break this one down in my head. This one's too hard. Um, XD actually came in to me and asked, he's like, what's the strategy? I'm like, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Good luck. But um, it was cool. The gameplay was cool. I love the preview events that they've been doing. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the next one is. Maybe they'll, they'll try something ambitious again different but you know still still because there's not like huge competitive stakes you know like what's the downside i I will say the downside in this case was there was seemingly a lot of downtime so they didn't get as many games then oh and i want to see it casted next time whether by me or anyone else would love to see you know that that event sort of get more sort of main channel publicity or something. I would agree in those points. The downtime was what was really the thing to me. You could just see the players kind of struggling with the format and what do I do and when is this over? I have to imagine it was fairly challenging on the admins. And, you know, some amateur casting, there are a lot of people that'll just do these things and it don't have to be asked for much more than their time. Uh, and I'm... Oh, yeah. I'm sure there could be some, like, I don't know what, what Blizzard's going rate is on this side. It's none of my business. But I would anticipate it's not too hard to get some enthusiastic community members lined up to give this thing a signal boost. Uh, and I think those are the missing factors for me. It just It was a lot of waiting, and it was all watching streamers talk to their chat while they waited for somebody else to figure out what was going on. I want someone yeah. put there by Hearthstone that knows what's going on for me. I want to I watch that person. That could be you. That could be that could be a caster. That could be Slissa. You know, there are a lot of great people out there that I think would uh, would add some value there. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yep. So uh, that's mostly it for news. Oh, there's one more thing. Um, the Blizzard NetEase situation is not going super well. Um, there's some escalation. Blizzard apparently asked NetEase to extend the contract for six months while they negotiated another partner. Uh, that did not go over super well, and the uh, NetEase office released a very strongly worded statement that uh, compared Blizzard to someone that is getting a divorce but still trying to sleep with you, um, which is, you know, strong language, but I understand that the things are tense right now. There was apparently a live stream of tearing down the orc statue in the China offices. Oh. Yeah. 
pretty intense, right? Hear about that? Yeah, that's yeah. that is intense. Yeah. So don't really know what's happening here, but I think it's safe to say NetEase is probably not going to continue supporting the the Blizzard property. So as of Monday. Blizzard products are outside of Diablo Immortal are not being supported in China. So see what happens. But as yeah, of right sucks. now, yeah, it's terrible. A lot of really great players, a lot of people that have been invested for a long time. That he's been running the Blizzard games for 14 years in China. It's unclear what's going to happen. We know that Blizzard really wants to to pursue this. And we also, we're getting some pretty strongly worded statements from NetEase themselves. And we're getting vague allusions from Blizzard about what's happened. We don't really know the truth here, but we can say that NetEase is really not happy about it. So, yeah. Um, not really sure who dropped the ball, but let's just say this doesn't seem great for anybody. Yeah, and agree on that. I, I And the other problem is if you need a six, six months extension, right, it, it, it says that there's probably not something, you know, in the works right now. So, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it'll get resolved sooner rather than later, but yeah. not a ton of hope in that regard. It's with a new company, we might get somewhere there, but uh, this is the, the, it's a question of who will want to pick this up now that NetEase has dropped it so hard. So yeah, we'll see, but we're here now at the end of the news section. Why don't we talk about Battlegrounds a little bit? I think you can do that. <laughs> friend thanks bob i will we got the patch <laughs> all right all right early first impressions so much has changed i was talking to, to a friend of mine yesterday and they were like without quests it feels like there's so much going on and i had to wrap my brain around that idea because quests seem like a really big complexity increase but they just tell you what they want you to do up front and then you do it and now we're back to some good old board based build based gameplay which we know everybody loves so I want your brief first impressions of the format. I know you've been traveling. You snuck in a stream yesterday. Tell me a little bit about how it's yeah. feeling to you. Well, well, I mean, the first impression, everything, you know, like I said, I did like a nine-hour patch review. I was pretty close on the predictions. Undead, really good. Really good. I was wrong. I will say I thought Undead were going to be the most broken new minion type that Battlegrounds has seen on release. Quilbor and Naga obviously were extraordinarily strong when they were released. Um, it didn't top Naga. It did Naga were a proper tier zero in Battlegrounds, which is the only time that we've seen that. Right? We we don't have, we haven't had like a lot of tier zero where literally all eight players were playing Naga. And we actually had I, the lobby legends had a tournament right on that patch and it was insane to watch because you just everyone was going for the same build like it it did not matter anything else it was just naga did you find stormscale siren like stormscale siren was the magic thing yep it just did it the only thing i can think of that might be close is Ginny bug elementals when they moved Ginny yeah, down. Yeah. So for those that weren't around back then, Gentle Ginny used to be a six-star a six unit. They moved it down to a five-star unit. 
but it was supposed to respect the tier that you were on in terms of what it would drop, and it didn't. And there was an EMEA tournament where people were tripling on four, hitting Ginny, and then getting sixes and steamrolling the lobby. But that was based on a straight-up bug. Naga was just overtuned. Just There was just too much going on there. And yeah, I agree. I watched the, the early stream. I'm like, oh, the board never dies and every minion has 50 power. This is crazy. But having played with it a little bit today, like you can build enough health with as one of the two players that's not trying to force undead in any lobby. You can get there with murlocs. You can get there with elementals of all things, with dragons. You can kind of get there. So it's still really powerful. They're going to nerf some stuff. But I don't think oh, it yeah. is a historical outlier the way that we've seen like Naga as an example launch. Yeah, it is still extraordinarily good. I actually, so through my games, I've, I think I've only top three'd and I've pretty much just been forcing undead, but I did get a win with APM Pirates right before I came on here. So it's possible. It's possible, but um, yeah, they're, they're really good. And the other thing is they're a little bit more complex. Like you said, Naga was like, find Storm Scale Siren. Sit there, win the game. Pretty good. Um, there's a little bit of decision-making on Undead, like building the right board, and there's a couple different viable builds and stuff, so maybe we'll see it like get a little bit stronger as people actually figure out how to play it a little more. That's sort of what I expect, but yeah, off the bat, day one, um, mostly Undead, but not, you know, 100%. Yeah. it's And there's still... There's clearly some some powerful stuff going on, but before we even get to there, do you miss quests? How does it feel without quests? I'm gonna miss them in like mm, ten days. You know, I I miss them, but like I'm good right now. Like they, you know, we're figuring this stuff out. But they really did add such a great component to the game. Um, one of the games I've been playing sort of in the downtime of the patch is TFT and I got hooked on TFT in set six, which is when they introduced augments and quests are very much like augments in TFT where they just, uh, you know, add variety to the game that gives it more replayability. And so I was a huge fan. It felt like they were adding balance and they could impact stuff. And I really liked the, you know, they sort of did like a halfway patch with quests where they added a bunch of new quest rewards and, you know, it felt like it freshened stuff up. So Mitchell said they're coming back and I'm just waiting for when they come back. Like, at least I know they're coming back <laughs> at some it's, point. It seems like a really great mechanic to have in your back pocket and do for like a BG mini set. Just throw quests back. And, like, it doesn't have to be that way every time. But there have been a few times they brought yeah. prizes back. And I know that people had very strong feelings about buddies. Very strong feelings about buddies. But everyone, when they first got partner in crime, freaked out. It's one of my favorite moments yeah. of watching Nina play 43 lobbies. And on her 43rd... Yeah, I, w I was in those games. I, I remember. Oh, <laughs> I man. remember. She screamed so was, loud, uh... you could hear it on your stream. It, it was yeah. it was fantastic. <laughs> so just seeing that moment of joy of, of the novelty coming back, because quests were really nice, but you don't want them to get stale because then you lose the you lose the value they can bring. So I'm really glad to hear that they are coming back. Um, well, let's talk Undead. We talked about their power compared to other tribes on release. What do you think 
the best version of the undead strategy looks like? There's a few. So there's two cards. There's two cards. If you go through my patch notes, I, I kind of highlight them. Those are Anubarak and Eternal Summoner. The six drop that summons two Eternal Knights. Those two cards kind of alone can really just build an undead board. Um, Anubarak, if you guys don't know, is the tier 5 death rattle that gives all your undead wherever they are. That means a shop, your hand, on your board, and if they get summoned uh, during combat, plus two attack. Um, and that means that all those reborns, the Divine Shield reborns, uh, Blanchie, our, our new horse friend, um, they're all getting that bonus attack and it, it recurs every combat. And if you use Macaw, if you use um, Titus Raven there, the new new Baron, um, you can really, you know, accelerate that scaling. And it is extraordinarily strong because then you don't need, it's just sort of passive scaling. You don't need to invest resources into it. And Eternal Summoner, uh, which is a return of a beloved mechanic or a adjacent beloved mechanic pogo hopper um rather than the battle cry of being summoned eternal knight cares about itself dying he gets plus one one for each copy that's died during the game eternal summoner summons two of those and it just self scales i mean the fact that it's an eight one on six it's already high tempo summoning two four ones well a four one and a five two at base and then continuing to just scale again without any resources needed to play into it is extraordinarily strong because a lot of times it's uh summoning much bigger units than four ones and five twos it's you know something like 2320s or sometimes much higher than that you have a really good setup yeah what i've seen a lot especially if you can find a way to get reborn on the summoner there are times you'll spit out four to up to eight Eternal Knights from the same unit, from the same summoner, because you end up with, you have a Rivendare, and you double the amount of Eternal Knights, and then the it comes back. And so, it honestly makes the Poison nerf look a little strange, because you can tell it was clearly a Sentiment nerf, and now, boards are nested. They're layered. You have to chew through so many different minions that Poison doesn't feel quite as powerful anymore. And Murlocs, like, even for, like, tier 4 Toxfin Murlocs, I don't think would be all that special right now. Because you have to kill 20-plus minions to get through an entire board when when Undead is fully firing. It feels really distinct. It feels very different from what we've had before. Maybe you can get a mech board with Kangors or whatever that felt kind of similar. Um, but it still wasn't quite as, quite as recursive as this. Yeah, and, and I mean, that is... Kind of the idea behind the minion type. I, I again, like I'm not super concerned about balance. It'll even itself out, but that is why it is a really cool tribe. Is before, especially in the the last patch, you know, when beasts and mechs were out, people would just have so many complaints about how all the end games are exactly the same. It's always just murlocs, murlocs, murlocs because you didn't have that sort of 
counter of a bunch of summons. And so now we have a third sort of summon tribe um, in Undead. Uh, it focuses on that reborn mechanic, but it is a lot in comparison. Like you said, it, it was mostly like maxed with a full setup, a full Exodia build where you have, you know, Omega Busters summoning stuff, menaces on all your units and those aren't even that big. You know, a lot of times those are one ones and, you know, but this is completely different. You have 20, you know, 50, 50 units coming at you and you're like, how am I getting through this? Does it ever end? Well, it's interesting. Like you'll see a lot of 52s, 51s. It's because if you get yeah. the Anubarak thing going, especially if you're scaling it with Rivendare, you'll get a ton of attack. The minions have no health, but it doesn't matter because you have 20 minions that all have plus 48 or whatever. So you're, uh, there's, a, there's a unit that summons a reborn helping hand. What is this thing called? Uh, the Handless Forsaken. Should have remembered that. Uh, Say tier 4, 2, 3, death rattle. You summon a 2-2 hand with reborn. Both the minion and the hand are undead. So that means this is three bodies that are all undead. If you've got plus 40 from a Nubarak, which is surprisingly straightforward yeah, to get. surprisingly easy to get there. Then you're talking about this one unit being three attacks and 126 attack. So you're basically dealing with like a, a huge divine shield minion. Like the biggest bronze warden you've ever seen. And uh, to, to hammer home your point and, and to revisit quests... Volatile Venom was by far, it was not even close, a half placement better than anything else that all hovered within about like a, you know, 0.1% of a placement. It, it was like under four. It was like a 3.95 average placement for Volatile Venom. So like not even close to anything else. A couple of procs of a Nubarak basically turns an undead board into a volatile venom board for like free just hitting the unit and like you said it doesn't continue to scale that's like three or four procs once you get to 10 you know 20 procs it is so difficult to deal with uh because yeah. it's just you don't really care about the health when you have so many bodies like you said and divine shields and in the reborns and death rattles so yeah for sure it remains to be seen the specifics on how we're going to counter these strategies and of course there's there are going to be ways smart players will figure it out and blizzard will also figure it out because we're anticipating some changes but before we get to what we're thinking is going to change are there any units that you think are bait that you see people taking that maybe you would recommend avoiding in the undead tribe for now uh it's hard. Uh, situationally, they can all be very good. I will say there's some ones that seem like maybe they're not like super like the best right now. Sister Death Whisper is really, really strong. It is extraordinarily strong. But compared to some of the, you know, better uh, undead cards, it... it it almost feels like out of place on some of these ending boards. You know, you've got these all these summons and everything that has super high attack and all of a sudden 
you know, Sister Death Whisper is sitting there at like a 2040 and you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. Like, uh, you know, it's not doing anything for me. Um, that that card is sort of, you know, I think it's going to be really good after the changes. Um, it's still really good, but maybe not as good as people would hope for a six compared to some of the other ones. And then uh, the two seven buff. This one blows me away because like it's one of those cards. This happens in in standard sometimes too, where you're just like on paper. This sounds insane. Um, you know, like a two seven buff is just like almost unprecedented, right? Nine total stats. The only thing that like compares really is Strug. And Jug has these conditions of having multiple minion types on board. The problem with Possessive Banshee is that it turns out on your final board, uh, 2-7 is completely irrelevant. <laughs> like, it, you know, like it's this crazy amount of stats and uh, just so often because of the way Undead is working right now, those stats are, are just completely irrelevant. And so it's it's it seems so good, but it's it's a it's a bait right now for sure. That makes sense. And you've picked the two units that prioritize buffing health over attack on undead, and it makes sense they don't quite gel with the overall strategy when we're just trying to have waves of high attack units that you don't care if they die. And that's Absolutely. what it seems like. You know, we're not looking for incremental advantage in terms of a little bit of a boost on one unit. We're looking for everything, the hordes of undead, to swell with power. Uh, I will also say from my personal experience, which is somewhat limited and somewhat questionable, something that stood out to me as a general purpose undead unit, Ghoul of the Feast. It's a three-star, two-four, avenge <sighs> one, give yeah. a friendly minion of each type plus three attack. This That's is a both, good card to highlight. It's, <laughs> it's very strong, and I found it is both a good tar card to take when you want to power level or when you want to punish power leveling, which probably means it's overtuned now that I think about it, now that I say that out loud. Um, but So you're saying it's it's a, a good card. Is, I, is that what you're I, saying? That is what I said. <laughs> it's, it's, I found that because there's actually a decent number of... Reborn minions early on, you know, the 2-1 Reborn Taunt, uh, Micro Mummies, whatever, uh, Icky Imps, and all the mech things. Give a friendly minion of each minion type plus 3 attack for Avenge 1. Every time there's a trade, you get a smoking gun. Yep. That's it, it, it is wild. powerful. Yes. And, and it is extraordinarily strong for the reasons that you said. In that power leveling is really strong right now the meta is is sort of focused on getting these five and six drops that are you know really good direction and being able to level without worrying about taking too much you know health chip is so good and ghoul of the feast is kind of the like a one card do it all it doesn't really matter you can have junk on your board because avenge one it's gonna die and all of a sudden your board gets extraordinarily strong and yeah, you just level for free. Yep. Or punish someone that's trying to do that and hit him for a billion. It's uh, it's entirely possible. So if you were the one that was driving the bus on changes, because we know we're getting a patch next week and there's always Battlegrounds changes, where would you start? It's a tough one. I mean, the tuning is so hard because so much of it is based on these like small buffs and like you can't like... Changing a new reactor plus one attack kind of 
kills it, right? So how do you balance it? Is it a six drop? Then you probably get it too late. That one's that one's gonna be a really tough one. Rule of Feast, I think that one is like a prime candidate to just like make a plus two attack, see how that goes. Maybe that's good enough, you know, plus three attack just very clearly excessive in that regard. Um, and then Eternal Summoner definitely needs a base sats nerf. Like 8-1 is already a very good tempo line um, when it's summoning stuff. So I, I would expect to see the attack come down on that so that, you know, honestly, at something like a 3-1 or a 2-1, like it's probably still very strong um, given how good it the continued scaling of the summons in Eternal Night are. Uh, Colossal of the Sun, extraordinarily strong. I, I think uh, there was probably some, you know, desire to have Colossal of the Moon be there, and they were like, wait a sec. Enten, Divine Shield Reborn? No. Uh, turns out 6-6 six, six Divine Shield Reborn is still very, 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 very good. We saw Elystra a long time ago as a 7-7, get nerfed down to a 3-3 Divine Shield Reborn. Obviously, it had that sort of pseudo-taunt effect, uh, but it was still too strong as a 3-3. Fossil of the Sun might not get hit as hard, but that's a prime target for tuning as well. Just yeah. so generically good. I think the the approach that I see here, the, the common thread is just make it easier to get under undead. Make them a little slower. Make them lose a few more combats when they try and power level and go for their thing. Because they're supposed to be slow, shambling, powerful in the late game. That is kind of the fantasy that we're capturing here. That can be okay. There are ways to beat it, but it can be okay for them to be a good late game tribe. The question is, how quickly do they come online? How large is that window? How much time do I have to play offense? And that seems to be the opportunity. The stall that you're talking about is a big component because so much of Undead is, it, it, it doesn't have that incremental scaling outside of a couple cards, right? But you, it's not like Caligos or Athissa where you're using resources, you're cycling stuff to get your scaling up, right? Even Sister Death Whisper, they're all sort of passive scaling where it's not much about investing resources and so what that does is it makes it play a bit more like an exodia comp um you know something like uh, the former you know eliza scallyway comp where to build the board it's more important to get to assemble all the pieces right you know you get the right cards on board and then just let it be you don't have to do too much and so Reducing the time that you have to assemble those pieces of Exodia is probably the way that you handle uh, the tribe overall. Um, but it, it is a tricky one because they already are, you know, relatively low sets on a lot of them, and the effects can only, you know, take so much change. So it's going to be an interesting one. But yeah, I expect to see a lot of stat tuning. Um, to try and address that makes sense to me yeah it's stat tuning seems to be i mean that's kind of the way that they have to go because the mechanism of undead you your stats kind of multiply in terms of effect because you see them a few times so it makes sense that the impact there would be pretty dramatic um 
So we talked about heroes a little bit earlier. I don't trust H3 play stats yet. Because it's very, very, very early. And also, it turns out the heroes that got hotfixed out are pretty good. But are there any heroes that you think really got a lot better? Any that you think got notably worse? Any any standouts that people should be looking for? I mean, a lot of the, the heroes that were good prior to quests are going to, you know, be standouts once again. Um, Reform... You know, while it's not Tessu Scavs, does, you know, get that boost of that, that sort of tier one meta where everyone's playing undead, you're, you're going to probably get good stuff from her farm, so that's looking really good. I saw some pretty crazy Deathwing setups uh, with, you know, all the summons, Deathwing, just a huge, um, you know, beneficiary, of course, Maybe not too much, as it's also buffing all your opponents' summons. So if they they hit just a little bit better, uh, they'll be doing all right. But overall, I, I think the the heroes that are really going to struggle are the same ones that we've seen struggle for a while now, and those are the ones that you just get some stats for pressing a button because at the moment stats just feel so irrelevant you know what is your your 3-3 from Rakanisha gonna do when it just gets pinged off by some random reborn um see you know highlighted dune like it's it's not likely to be enough right now and so you know stuff that's gonna be able to control your direction um cookie the new gale wing which is super interesting redesign by the way or or revamp more like um on that one where you can sort of lean in to that undead stuff probably going to be pretty good um certain things like sneed probably a lot worse it's just like you know i I like preaching thinking about the game right and so obviously undead are strong now so thinking about what is you know going to be able to make undead work what doesn't work with them Wants to highlight Graybo, very good. George, very bad, just because summons counter shields and Graybo gets buffs on all the summons. So, yeah, I played against a Graybo and it seemed like seemed like a notable improvement to how Graybo plays. Like a like a significant felt like Graybo was threatening whenever I came up against them, uh, and that is definitely a new thing. Yeah, yeah, Graybo, Graybo, gonna be like you know. Kind of from that, like, oh, it's a standard standard one um, to, oh, this is a strong hero now. Uh, actually, an interesting one is Nazoth. I'm curious to see if people make any crazy Nazoth boards with the fish. I, I don't know if it's good. I just, <laughs> I just you know, there's there's opportunity for cool things to happen there and i'm all i always got my eye out when that's the case feels like there's something that someone's going to exploit and leverage there um as far as non-undead tribes if you were going anything that wasn't undead if you wanted to dodge the the fight for eternal knights the fight for the knights how do you think some of the other tribes are standing because i've seen I've personally done pretty decently with elementals when no one else is going for them because you can get some pretty beefy gars 
some pretty big masters of realities, especially with the new uh, Magma Lock. Like, Magma Lock, Master of Reality is a really, really nice one-two punch there. Um, and I've seen some people still do pretty well with, with Murlocs, not for poison, but for health. I mean, you can get poison, but it's also really nice just for a bunch of cold light seers and whatever. Yeah. Elementals, I've seen have some success with similar stuff. Like you said, the interaction between Magma Lock and Master of Realities has been uh, really strong. It, you know, previously... Major Domo sort of required an extra board space, and that was really difficult. Magmalock just puts it all in one unit, and so you don't need to worry about having two units to buff the elementals. Um, you can have a couple on board, and it just scales really quickly. Um, and like you said, time, a very big thing there. Uh, Naga was reported to, to have some success. You know, if you get the right setup with the new Greta Gold Gun. You can make some very high-statted boards with uh, sort of free golden athisas. Um, so that's one to look out for. And I, I mean, I have to have to say, uh, leapers with Blanche. Okay, I gotta, I gotta ask, what's your prediction for the nickname for Blanche Horse Horsey? Like, wh- where are we going with that? Where, what's gonna be the accepted nickname for that minion? Because it's going to be one. It's just, what? what is it? Yeah, no, I don't know. I haven't thought about it, but we're definitely going to talk about it. Like, it's going to be a thing that's around because that card seems like it's going to be pretty powerful for a while. Do the Leapfrogger jumps count as buffs? They do. They, they count as enchantments. So if you get it on to the horse, it, it will reborn with more death rattles. And I haven't actually seen it. Like in a play, just because the meadow's been so dominated by um, the undead, and in leapers take a while to assemble, but it is absolutely still a comp that can compete with anything that got buffed with the addition of of Blanche. So, um, I I did get a second with leapers. I want to say so it's, it's possible. Yeah, it's. I definitely feel leapers were the thing that I was the most concerned about going into this patch because it's a bunch of death rattles and a bunch of scaling, um, and there's still the opportunity to be concerned about it. But I mean, it hasn't it hasn't been as popular yet. But we see this a lot where the popular thing and the good thing aren't always necessarily the same, and people might have just stopped leapering for a little bit just because they're less interested in it because they've been leapering for a while. But I do think that we're going to see some leapers. It is true. And there's definitely always this side effect of a new minion type being in the game. It ends up being every game. So it is sort of overly represented. And you kind of lose track of like how the proper breakdown is of other compositions, right? Where, you know, you might be like, wow, I, I just am not seeing any dragons in granted dragons probably aren't that good right now, but they're just in less games. Like most games, you're not going to be able to see dragons because most games they're out and five minion types will be banned and four will be in not including undead. So, you know, more likely than not any given 
subscribe is not in a game. So it, it can get a little bit, you know, it, your your mind sort of favors what you see. And, you know, it's a little bit confusing the first, like, month or so that Undead will be guaranteed in the lobby. And uh, we're, remember, like, the patch has been out 36 hours. Like, people don't necessarily yeah, yeah, know yeah. everything that's good quite yet. But, all right, this is the part where if we were if we're getting advice to give to new players, what do I do? Number one thing that we start with is leveling curves. For newer players, for people that are maybe just coming back to BGs after a little while off, what would you recommend we do? Is this just a basic curve situation where we're leveling on 4 gold, 7 gold, 9 gold? Or do you see some opportunity for other stuff to work? Um, Yeah, I think at the very early game, like staying on 1, probably not good right now. There's less econ than ever before. Um, Undead didn't get any econ 1 drops, so, you know, especially when they're guaranteed in... It's not really good lobbies um, for that overall, unless you're a specific hero that likes that curve. Three on three is always one to keep an eye on because the more it 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 really plays itself up. The more people that go three on three, the more incentivized you are to as well because you're not going to take damage when you face the other player that's going three on three. So you see that level tier icon pop up next to their portrait and you're like yeah sure let's do it together you know we're in this as one and i think it's gonna be decent right now there's not like stand out threes but just the natural acceleration if you don't find anything good of getting to those higher tiers right now is really good because if you don't have that set up for a triple or like something in mind you might as well you know Go to three. Maybe you find Ghoul at a feast or, or you know, just something just a bit stronger to stabilize your board and get up to tier five and six faster. For those of you that might not know what three on three is, just to clarify, three on three is when you buy on three gold, you level on four gold, and then you sell and level on five gold. So it's tier three on turn three, hence the name. And that is... When people are, are are trying out new stuff, they often get a little greedy, and you can often get away with doing that yourself. And that means that on your six gold turn, you get to buy, you get two chances to buy tier three minion. Can be quite powerful if you hit the right stuff. You get to almost build your own AFK in a way. So it can be pretty strong. And I f- I found myself doing that lately. I did that early on in the quest meta too. And until people started playing for tempo again, it worked out pretty well. Um. Have there been any more adventurous curves that you've tried out that have worked for you? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I really do love playing all curves, but I don't think there's been anything to stand out. Um, I will say that in terms of like deviating from the standard leveling patterns, um, it's less of a deviation, but going to tier four and eight gold been doing quite a lot and i think a lot of high mmr players do generally do that and then also depending on the hero and your board setup and you know how much health you have you know what you're working with going to tier five sometimes as early as nine gold just to 
open up the possibility of hitting something like a Nubrax super early. You just start that scaling. It's passive. You don't need to invest a ton. It's not something like, you know, a hogger or Nomi where it's going to take a couple of turns to come online. Like you'll start seeing the fruits of your labors much quicker if you can hit. And so if you can, you know, how, how I like to frame it is like if you can give yourself an excuse, right? Like I'm healthy enough. I, uh, you know, I have this strong board. Like if you can find a reason to do it and explain it away, you can do it. Um, if you can't find any reason, you're like, I need to survive, then then hold off. But, you know, otherwise, getting to tier five pretty early has been pretty good for me so far. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, I mean, you look at the tier six triples, and when your worst one in undead is Sister Death Whisper, you're in a pretty good place as a tribe, because even though we talked about how it might not gel with the rest of the strategy, it's also... Pretty powerful, you triple into it early, and your stuff's still going to grow. And you can either roll with that or you can pivot to something else, but it's still worth pursuing most of the time. One big struggle I will note that I've heard people complaining about is that when you get into these metas that uh, are focused on a few core cards, especially high tier drops, what happens is you become very triple centric. So picking up pairs and stuff like that is going to be very important. In this meta, when you hit those triples, you know, we can talk about the, the happy path, you know, the path of least resistance where you just hit sister, uh, sorry, eternal summoner as like, you don't have to do anything. It's you know straightforward, all good. But if you miss and you hit something like, you know, toxin or Eliza, there's just like these misses on six. Sometimes you'll hit an early Nadina. You don't have any dragons. You don't have the setup. It feels really bad. One thing that's important to keep in mind is just because you miss doesn't necessarily mean it was the wrong play. Sometimes RNG just isn't on our side. And so, you know, making sure that you understand like, yeah, this, this you know, this probably was a good play but it didn't work out you know it's important to differentiate that um in these metas because there are going to be more misses than there were in the past just because other things are sort of relatively weaker um eliza isn't really a comp anymore and so what previously was like a really nice high tempo hit um is a tad worse now now that is some high level advice of just because things didn't work out doesn't mean you shouldn't do it again. And doesn't mean that uh, that you're particularly lucky or unlucky. Sometimes you just get there, sometimes you don't. That is the nature of Discover. That is the nature of Hearthstone sometimes. Is there anything that we missed that we think can help new players adapt to BGs other than queue up, have fun, try some stuff? Um, Vision. Vision is like a huge thing that is really difficult. This is something that I've had people asking me for three years. Um, playing Battlegrounds is, you know, going from the early game to the mid game to the late game. Like, how, how do you do it? You know, these high-level players just seem like, you know, everything happens super naturally. You know, like, how'd they hit that? Like, you know... And the reason why it works out for them is because usually they have a vision of what they how what their end game board will look like in any given game. Um, and so 
when they're making their decisions earlier on in the game, you can play into that, you know, perfect world, that vision. And so if you set that up as your goal, you can play, you know, early on and say, okay, undead are really strong. I want to play in the undead. How do I get there in the early game? How does that get me to the mid game and how am I making my decisions? Versus, you know, trying to later on make a transition because you set up a board full of murlocs and all of a sudden you're like, how do I get to undead? You know, I can't make this transition. Well, if you have that vision from the start, that idea of what you're doing and sort of use that as a guiding principle and then, you know, use that same question we talked about earlier. Like, why should I deviate? Like, is there a reason to deviate? And if the reason is, hey, you hit golden hogger and maybe apm pirates is an out here or maybe leapers is an out like okay if you have a good reason to deviate then go go do it and trust yourself believe in that path and and go wholeheartedly down it um but otherwise you know stick to your plan if you can't find a reason to deviate and so having that sort of blueprint makes the game come much more naturally and then as you get more familiar with like, okay, now I know how to play undead. Now I know that path. And now I know the path of dragons and murlocs. And then things start to get more fluid, you know? And that's when you can get into these transitions back and forth in between comps of saying, oh, I have this card. And so maybe I can swing this way or that way. Or, hey, look, I actually have divine shields of three different minion types. Maybe I can play into a theater here, you know, like, you know, and, and so as you gain that experience, moving in between these comps gets easier and easier. And you'll, you'll be able to recognize those decision points to go into different, uh, paths much easier and the game will feel easier and it'll get a lot more fun. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's, that was a very big brain answer. Thank you for that. And kind of opened up my eyes a little bit because I, I haven't played a ton of BGs necessarily. When I do, I usually I can find those end game board states, but the path to get there is always what eludes me. So it makes sense that when you learn more recipes, you see more possibilities when you open the fridge. Yep. That, oh my God. I'm stealing that. I'm oh, stealing yours. that metaphor. That's perfect. <laughs> Because it's just the idea of, well, if I don't know how to cook, then I just open and I see a bunch of not food. But when I have an idea of this right. thing or that thing, and maybe they can go together. Yeah. Now I'm hungry and I want to play BGs. Thanks, Pocky. <laughs> Your fault. I'll take the blame on that one. Well, I think we're going to wind down the show here. But we had an action-packed, knowledge-packed 80 minutes here. Thank you so much for coming on. And patrons, thank you so much for listening in. I know it's a bit of a departure from our usual format. We don't have any Joss giggles. We'll have to see if we can pipe them in from previous episodes. Um, but we really appreciate you uh, rolling with us here. We send all of our love and energy and positive vibes and unicorn gifts to Joss. Feel free to tweet them at her at JossPlays on Twitter. Uh, so you can, we're supported directly by our Epic patrons. You can become a TAC patron by going to patreon.com slash TAC. Becoming a TAC patron gives you access to the TAC Discord, other perks. We have amazing producers, Dustin C. and Jared F. Thank you so much for the support. Follow the show on Twitter, TAC Podcast. We're going to be live Wednesday nights at 8 Eastern, twitch.tv slash JossPlays right here on the usual channel. Pocky, where can we find you if we want to get more BG's information? Uh, Twitch, of course, twitch.tv. Uh 
TV slash Pocky Plays, uh, my home base Twitter. I'm very active on, uh, I believe I'm Pocky underscore plays on Twitter. Um, and every other social, I'm either, you know, Pocky underscore plays or Pocky Plays, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. We got it all. So, yeah, just um, any search and you can, you know, on my Twitch profile, there's links to all of it. And so if you are interested in learning more, if you have any questions on anything I went over, I love interacting with newer players, explaining, you know, not only, you know, what's good and stuff, but like how to think about the game, how to improve at the game. Um, I really, really love having those conversations. So please feel free to stop by and, and pepper me with questions. I might just have to do that myself. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you can find Joss. She's over at Joss Plays on Twitter. Uh, she's taking a little hiatus from here from the Gamers Inn, but the Gamers Inn is her other podcast. They just they just talk about video games. It's a fun show. You should go check that out. Uh, and you can find me, well, the hub of my internet content is twitter.com slash ridiculous hat. I have two other Hearthstone podcasts, Coin Concede and Vicious Syndicate. Coin Concede is making the competitive side of the game more accessible to you. And Vicious Syndicate is a data-driven look at the high-level legend metagame over on the standard side. Uh, this will be the most I talk about BGs this week, but man, I'm going to go play some right after the show. So, thank you so much, everyone. And until next time, job's done. You say that now. Job's done. Thanks for having me on. Yay! Job's done.